بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم السلام عليكم and welcome to the conviction project I am Maraj Rana and I am here with my friend the Imam Farhan Iqbal. Farhan, assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. Farhan, you know, last time we were talking about uh, sexual assault, we were talking about the Me Too movement, and this time we had said, okay, we will take a different perspective and talk about probably, I would say, one of the most predominant allegations against Islam, which is against this idea of wife beating or beating women in general. And, you know, I think before we get to that stage where we talk about domestic violence between couples, I think it's important to talk about violence between individuals or just the violent nature of human beings. I think many people are very uncomfortable with the idea of the potential that human beings have when it comes to being violent. For example, if someone is really annoying you and you feel like, well, you know, I am just going to hit you. And this thought, it just comes at you like an impulse. And you don't do it, but the thought comes. And, you know, the idea is very salient. The only thing that's between you and being violent is just restraining yourself. And I think that when we live in 2018 and we live uh, in the societies that we live in, it becomes a lot more easier to restrain ourselves. I imagine if we don't have those same restraints, then the capacity to be violent is very large. Uh, what do you think about that initially? Yeah, actually, uh, when when I think about this topic, um, uh, as you just mentioned, uh, the potential for violence is there, and uh, it's it's something that is that is uh, not as uncommon as we would like to think. I think uh, domestic violence is a, is a problem. I I've seen some statistics uh, about uh, domestic violence, which is uh, increased in those cases where there is alcohol, for instance. Uh, if alcohol gets involved, the emotions are not in check, and uh, both men and women uh, can become uh, violent uh, with their spouses. And so this is a problem. And so before even talking about it from an Islamic perspective, I think from a human perspective, we need to understand that this is a human problem. This is a domestic violence uh, I think we talked about it a little bit in one of our episodes earlier as well. This is a human problem. This is something that uh, all of us should be concerned about. And uh, before raising any fingers about any particular rel- religion or culture or society, we need to understand this is probably part of every society. In fact, there are certain societies where obviously the men are are, are dominating and uh, the women are the, the ones who are dominated. And there are some societies where the women are dominating. And in those cases, uh, women may become violent with their husbands. And so this is, this is a problem, I think, from a psychological perspective. We need to understand that this is something that exists and impacts a lot of people. And, you know, when we talk about uh, the Islamic perspective, we have to 
I guess, go back 14, 1500 years uh, to the very people that this um, verse was revealed to. What was the nature of those people? What type of societies did they live in? And what kind of things did they have? You know, we I talked about our society and I said, you know, well, there's a lot of restraints put on us. Uh, which kind of monitor or guide our violent impulses. But I wonder, and I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on, do you think that the same restraints were there um, in Arabia, in uh, 6th century Arabia? Actually, if, if, if we study the, the Arabic society, like the Arab society before the coming of Islam, I mean, I don't want to generalize this about the whole of the Middle East. What I'm talking about is maybe particular areas in Saudi Arabia where men were violent uh, in the sense that their lives were, were very difficult. And uh, uh, there were Bedouins and there were uh, these, there were tribal movements all the time happening. And so it was a very tribal society, which uh, was in some cases constantly at war. Uh, there were, for instance, two tribes in the city of Medina before Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, got to Medina. Sometime before that, there, there were t- the, t- the two main Arab tribes were constantly at war for like 40 years. So there were these tribal tensions that were always there. And and these men in those societies were very dominating and were warrior-like. And, uh, you know, they had certain tendencies. And in, in those, some of those tendencies included uh, subjugating women, treating them unfairly, treating them as second-class citizens, Some in some cases, even burying their daughters uh, alive and and uh, this is something that exists it's a problem i just yesterday bbc news reported uh, how 21 million girls in india are are unwanted uh, in the sense that uh, those couples who have those girls actually want boys and uh, and you know so this is a this is this is a problem in certain cultures and societies and environments yeah And, you know, um, oftentimes people talk about PTSD, and, and that is a huge thing. And, and, and I know we're sidetracking, but I think this is an important point to make before we get to uh, the actual point of Islam's stance on domestic violence. But people talk about PTSD, and they say, well, um, why is it that in Arabia or in the Middle Ages or in medieval times, there was no real concept of PTSD? And I think that part of the reason why is because there was consistency. What your daily life was, was very typical from what your life was at war. Um, And now when you come to the 21st century, your daily life is very different from your life at war. So then when you come back to your daily life, um, your brain mechanisms and your psychology is all disrupted. So I think it's a very important distinction to make that the restraints of Arab society back in uh, the time of early Islam was very different than our time. Uh, You know, there is this thing that's coming, vivid picture that's coming to my mind. Uh, was of Abu Sufyan's wife, Hind, um, you know, biting into the liver of uh, Hazrat Hamza. You know, so this is just to give like a minute example of the type of society that was present. I think it's a good segue to start talking about, okay, well, 
in that society, um, what, why is it that Islam allowed chastisement or beating a woman? Or what, what did it say stop? What was the stance in that society that Islam took? So, so here's a point that needs to be established, that uh, the first addressees of the Qur'an were these Arabs, and, um, or, or, or a segment of those Arabs, right? Again, the, the word Arab today means, refers to a lot of people. Sometimes people consider all the people in the Middle East as Arabs. So I just want to emphasize this point. We're not making a generalization. The, the specific people uh, who were the addressees of the Qur'an at the time of Prophet Muhammad, the Qur'an had to deal with them first. They were the first addressees. And so some of the commandments that came were related to them. Of course, they can be seen in a universal light as well. Uh, there is this tension, uh, even in Judaism, I was reading rec recently about uh, the universalism versus particularism and these kind of things. So the Quran is a universal book. There's no doubt about that. But the first addressees, the first people the Quran had to reform were the Arabs. And this verse of the Quran, uh, which uh, is from chapter 4, verse 35, we have read this verse before as well, parts of it. And it's a long verse. I'll just take the, the, the segment uh, which, which can be controversial in certain, for, to certain people. Uh, it, it, the Quran says, so in context, it says, Virtuous women are those who are obedient, guard the secrets of their husbands with Allah's protection. And, and as for those who on, on whose part you fear disobedience, admonish them and leave them alone in their beds and chastise them. This is the, 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 the controversy or the controversial part of the Quran. And we get a lot of questions about this. And we, we thought that today we would just quickly discuss it. And almost we are running out of time. But let me, let me quickly mention. So this is the first point that the Quran is saying that is addressing the Arabs uh, who, are, who are violent uh, with, their, with their wives. And the Quran is trying to actually create a deterrent. The Quran is actually trying to create steps so that they avoid this kind of behavior. Why is that? Because if we read the verse carefully, and in Arabic, there is, there is a, the style of Arabic is such that it, it teaches things in steps. So in this verse, the first step, that a husband is, is to take uh, regarding his wife who is disobedient is to admonish her, right? The, 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 you see, if, if a person gets angry and is about to strike his wife, if a man gets angry and is about to, you know, the, in, the, in the spur of the moment, he's about to strike his, his wife, the Quran says, stop. First, admonish or advice. What admonish means just talk to her, uh, try to work things out and 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 calm down and 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 talk about it basically. Uh, give give advice. And then if that does not work, the Quran doesn't say, okay, now you can do it. No. The Quran says, now the next step is to separate your beds. Uh, the, the, instead of sleeping together, you should be sleeping on se separate beds. And so this is a deterrent. This creates that environment where the man's anger would just subside and go away. I mean, if they, uh, they separate their beds just for a few days, let alone a week or 10 days, the, the, the thing that caused the anger would just go away. And, and you and, know, I, yeah. 
I also think that, you know, separation in itself is so crucial for the safety uh, of women in general. Uh, if there is violence between couples, um, separation is actually a huge part uh, of safety. Um, you know, I, I work with um, couples who where domestic violence exists, and the first thing that we do is we create a safety plan, and we, uh, part of that safety plan is separating, and you know, being in different areas. And oftentimes, I ask women um, who are involved in intimate partner violence, you know, uh, is there another room that you can stay in or be be in where you can be alone and where you can feel safe? So I think that's also part of the idea of establishing safety. Yeah, and so it's it's actually a deterrent, especially with the first addressees of the Quran who, who are who are men, uh, warrior-like men, who are told to do this uh, so that it, it helps calm them down and, and never get to the third point, which is chastisement. Uh, th- that third level is for an extreme situation, a very rare situation. And even in this case, when we look at the life of Prophet Muhammad, you know, he's the role model here. What did he do? He would advise his wife, advise them, um, uh, advise them uh, in, in such scenarios. And at the most, we find an example in the life of Prophet Muhammad where he separated himself and he secluded himself and went to a separate room and did not communicate with his wives for a period of time. And, and, and he never got to the point of chastisement. Chastisement is a very extreme and rare occurrence. And again, to just to finish it off, uh, when does that happen? Well, I, I would like to quote uh, Mirza Tahir Ahmed, the fourth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, he said that, you know, in the, in the Punjabi culture uh, in, from Pakistan and India, uh, th- th- there, are, there are women who are called um, kapatis. Uh, he quoted that. And uh, w- who is a kapati? A woman who is like extremely um, uh, bad in her behavior, uh, in her treatment of her husband. She's constantly fighting with him. She's constantly bothering him. And the man who's trying to be humble, uh, tries to advise her, and then tries to leave off the bed and get to a different room. And even then she keeps on doing that. And the word nushuz is there uh, in, earlier in the same verse, which is talking about extreme disobedience, which goes to the level of of extramarital affairs and those kind of things uh, that the the if you, if you look at the dictionary and those are the situations which are very very rare and very extreme that this is allowed and even then the prophet has, has said that if if it gets to that level make sure that if you do chastise your wife uh, it does not leave any mark on her body which makes it completely symbolic at the end of the day so I have, I have a lot of questions, and I know we're running out of time, and I think uh, we probably would have to do this in parts, and uh, we will actually do this in parts, because I think this is a longer conversation, and exactly. it is a conversation which requires depth. So the first point, um, which I think we should start with our, our next podcast, is this idea of obedience. Uh, I think that this needs to be highlighted, because this is the first part, you know, if your wife is disobedient, then you admonish her then you separate beds and then you chastise her so what is 
disobedient is disobedient merely this idea of not listening to someone it, it d- does a wife have to be obedient in islam you know these are thoughts that are running through my mind and i'm sure it's running through the minds of many of our listeners uh who may have doubts about these ideas yeah i think we really need to break this down and i i said a lot of things in the last couple of minutes because i wanted to get some points across but again i need to explain uh, and we need to discuss more each aspect aspect of of how this is happening but to, to just to clear the air here is just it's a very psychologically motivated verse i think it has a lot of psychology in it and we need to understand it from that perspective and what does chastisement even mean you know there, there those that's also a question that's running through our mind but i think today what we established was we set the stage that um human beings have the potential to be violent and the restraint that is put on us to guide and monitor our violence is by our society and the society we live in now um in canada may be very different from society say in pakistan son where i'm originally from where you're originally from and societies um that could be you know in rural africa or rural canada or rural united states even um you know all societies have different kind of restraints put on them in their ability to be violent you know in texas you can open carry your firearm uh so the restraints are very different and i know we're running out of time so we will continue this discussion on talking about obedience and if If any doubts do come up regarding this conversation or if you're deeply impacted by any of the things we have said, um, we would love to hear from you. In fact, uh, uh, a fr- friend of mine recently did give uh, some feedback and it was amazing. And I would love to know this. And uh, if any of you have a question uh, or if you disagree with anything that we did say, even today we might, might have said a lot of things that people disagree with, please do let us know so that we can, we can, we can talk more about, about those areas where we were not clear enough. Absolutely. Uh, Once again, this is The Conviction Project, where we leave you with no doubts about Islam. It is the truth from thy Lord. Be not, therefore, of those who doubt.